Let's go back to the time when my guest and I continued talking after our interview about race. Welcome to the time when I am your host, Chris McQueen. This is part two of my interview with Katie Varga. The original interview, which is part one, was to capture her experience growing up being white, going to a predominantly black high school. But after the interview, we kept recording as we continued the conversation discussing race and how she could help bring about change. I mean, I have a couple, um, and you can leave this in or not, but like a couple of things that like I'd want to know as someone who obviously, you know me, so, you know, it's not like we're strangers, but like, you know that I'm, Hmm. you've seen me advocate for minority issues and things like that, like the ELL students and, mm-hmm. and whatnot. Um, but like, I will say that for people like me who have no, um, for a long time, I didn't understand racism. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand why it existed like, I couldn't take that abstract concept and turn it into anything concrete. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, that's because of my upbringing. And again, I'm really, really grateful for that. Um, but obviously, I know it exists. I've right. seen it. I've seen the systemic issues. I've seen it work against particularly Black people, but also Hispanic people. Um, but as a white person, people who don't know me, mm-hmm. like also have this perception of, well, she's white. Right. Like she can't understand this, mm-hmm. she can, you know? Um, so even if I were to, to go to some, like, go to you and say like, Chris, like, what should I do? I in the back of my head, I'm like, well, I don't want to use him as like the token black guy. Right. You know, or I don't want him to think that like, he has to be a spokesperson for the entire, you know, black race mm-hmm. or something. So then I feel like, well, okay, well, I can't like, single out one person right. and ask them, but obviously I'm not going to have a forum and right. call together all of my black friends and say, Hey, what should I be doing? Right. Y- you know? So like as a white person who means well, and obviously wants equity and fairness and equality, like I am really at a loss mm-hmm. as to what I can do to improve the situation and support things like black lives matter without seeming like I'm being um, patronizing mm-hmm. or I'm just jumping on the bandwagon or, you know, or like, well, where was she before right. or, or something like, it's really, I don't know sometimes like what I like you, you, you try to write about it on social media. You, you know, support groups, you donate money, you vote Democrat, you, <laughs> you know, um, but like sometimes, people still look at you and just say, well, you're white. So whatever. Or like I'm driving down the road and I'm a people watcher. I like to look at people and I don't care if you're white, you're black, you got a dog, you're walking your cat on a leash. Like I'm looking at you, you know, (laughs) but sometimes like I'm driving, I'm like, does that person think I'm looking at them because they're black? Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm not. It's because you're wearing like a tie dye shirt, (laughs) you know, like I don't know how, to change any of that. Well, and, I, go ahead. I, I think what, what you've said, I, I've heard 
uh, many, many times recently, uh, having conversations with people, uh, with white people that have, have voiced basically a similar thing that you've said about wanting to help but not knowing how and being kind of afraid of saying the wrong thing or um, coming across the wrong way. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think that's like something common that a lot of people um, are, are, are feeling, like kind of like what you said. I mean, to me, my I guess my opinion would be to uh, to have to still have those conversations, but I think more importantly, not just to have those conversations with um, you know with your black friends or coworkers or whatever. I think it's uh, more important to have those conversations with um, you know some of your, some of your white friends. You know. Oh yeah. You know, we do that, and the I mean the the thing is like most of my white friends think the same way I do. Right. You right. know, that's why we're friends. <laughs> um, you know, there's a couple family members that um, sometimes the conversations, the conversations have really driven a wedge between mm -hmm. some family members. And that is particularly difficult. I've always said this right. is the worst of all the things Trump has done. The worst is the personal impact on family members. Mm because he has allowed uh, pe some people's racist um, or misogynistic or whatever, or um, xenophobic inner thoughts to come out. Mm -hmm. yeah. And there, I mean, there are some people who I, I used to be really close with and I used to be able to call them about anything and talk to them. And now, the last time I saw it, like I just sat there and I had nothing to say. Mm, yeah. And it's so sad. And I don't, you know, this is another, I just, I, I've said so much on these topics. Right. And that it's just like, they're never going to change the way that they think or, and I, I don't know how much more I can, you know, drive it home to them that they're being racist or whatever, you know, depending on what they're talking about at the time, xenophobic. And I just, it, it, it's so, it's been so destructive on families. Well, that's something I know me personally, I struggle with is like in those situations, like what's the best, you know, response, right? Mm -hmm. so, like, you know, on the one hand, I see the side of, you know, like cutting off, contact with them that you just get so frustrated with them and just can't understand why they see things yeah that... i think they're calling it cancel culture now right name right. <laughs> i didn't know that right. until like two days ago <laughs> <laughs> so i see that side but then like i also see the other side of like at least from like a black person's perspective i feel like if i do that then it's kind of reinforcing what they what they thought you know what i mean where mm -hmm. they would be like oh like you know i knew a black person would respond like that or something like that you know mm -hmm. where like i almost feel like sometimes i have to keep like trying to talk to them or be friendly mm -hmm. with them just to like counteract that you know what i mean yeah so I'm yeah what's like the best way to deal with that like you know i've had some black friends that are just like oh like once somebody shows me their true colors and they're you know Mm -hmm. they're like they're dead to me like you know i cut them off i think yeah i think people black white doesn't matter like right. doing that like 
you know, if you don't like this, unfriend me or whatever. But it's right, different right. when it's like a parent or right. a sibling. Right. You right. Know, like you can't just un- unsibling them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I was just saying to um, my sister and my friend. We, we, the three of us were all white and we go back and forth about a lot of these issues because so my friend Ashley, I've mentioned you before. She's a teacher in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, and she went to, she went to private school for elementary, but then she went to middle and high school with me and my sister. And she has the same, like, we all have this same, like everything I said, it's basically the same for all three of us. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, we cannot understand these white people like we just don't understand it and she like she was telling me a story when she did her student teaching um at a school in south jersey and it was predominantly white and she said something uh she was going she was talking about um internment camps mm-hmm. in world war ii um around like california and stuff like for um basically anyone that was asian that they said oh you're japanese and right. um she said to the class you know like uh, rhetorically like, can you imagine if the United States did something like this? And a couple of kids were like, yeah, we can, we can see that. And she was like, what? And they said, yeah, we could take all the Arabs and put them in, in these camps. And she was like, no, like, that's not what we're supposed to be doing. Right. You know, it, was, uh, it was like 2000, probably like 2008 when she was doing this. And she's just like, it's the same thing. Like, you're just speechless. You're like, what? How can you have that thought, you know? And, and so we share stories like that all the time. She's the one that sent the article to me. She's the only one that's in the article. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Uh, well, the other white person is in the article and then there's yeah. Amber, which I don't know what Amber's doing anymore, but, um, but yeah, so we're just like, it's just, we don't know both. She was saying how her parents, um, uh, I guess vote Republican and her parents still live in Willingboro. Mm. And um, she said her mom is like pretty much Democrat on everything except I think abortion. I think mm. it's her only issue or whatever, but still votes Republican. Mm. Like, Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't, it's, it's really, it, it's hard to figure out how to talk to, like I talk to you about anything anyway. Mm. Um, but how to like, you just, I guess for someone who means well, right don't know how to approach the situation because people are going to look at you and i that's something i guess i experienced a lot in high school is people always look at you like you don't know right. you don't understand you can't possibly understand mm-hmm. and i don't know if i do understand but like i'm trying to right and i'm trying to be supportive right and so how can i be supportive yeah and the other thing is like i would love to be one of those people who's out at the protest and everything but i have a one-year-old mm-hmm. and there's a pandemic <laughs> <laughs> and like now he's back in daycare i'm like all right well if there's a protest at like noon on a wednesday you know i can go but like well, i'm not bringing other... my one-year-old like, into 90 degree sun around a bunch of people in the middle of a pandemic i i, I think there's other ways to uh to show support i think you show support just by your classroom and think of how many people you affect every every year right by at least changing a little bit the way 
I mean, not that everybody thinks that way, but I'm just saying, like, but just the fact of the way people think on a on a daily basis um, yeah. in your classroom, I think that is more important or bringing more of a change than going to a march, in my opinion. I yeah, think. well, that's why I'm glad yeah. you're teaching that politics class now, because I can't, because even right now, like, I don't know if you can tell, like, I'm fired up, and yeah. I, you have a very mellow like you don't show even if you might be getting angry or something but you don't really show it um mm. in the classroom at least and like i cannot when i had that one kid who was like there is no gender wage gap like there is no systemic racism like you're so i don't know if you're naive or you're stupid but <laughs> like I, I could and it didn't matter what i said it didn't mm. matter what sources i used the like um labor the bureau of labor statistics like didn't matter Mm-mm. he just was like no like that's not true fake news right like, and i just i cannot i don't i don't know and i know like i have not personally dealt with systemic racism but obviously racism has been key in my upbringing mm-hmm. and i'm just like i feel like i'm at a point where i'm just like so here's another big issue i feel like i'm at a point where i'm just like i can't take any more of it Mm-hmm. And then I feel a lot of guilt because I'm white. Right. And I'm like, well, other people have been taking it their whole life. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not actually dealing with racism. I'm just dealing with people complaining about racism or being <laughs> racist. Right. And then I feel awful. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing that my, my friends and my sister and I talk about a lot is like, yeah, like, I feel like I can't look at social media. Right. Yeah. Because it's either why aren't you wearing a mask? I don't want to wear a mask or um, black lives matter. All lives matter. And I'm just like, I can't, like, I can't, I can't Mm -hmm. anymore. Um, I even know, I even know one person, white person who is like on the verge of depression Mm. because they just can't understand the all lives matter, like argument Mm -hmm. and everything. Like it's, it's where we grew up. I mean, Duh, all lives matter. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, but like obviously, black people are being crapped on a lot more than mm-hmm. other people, and having a lot less like opportunities and resources, and and uh, like it's weighing on her so much. Wow. That she doesn't know what to do with it, and like has so much guilt, and like I totally understand that. Yeah. To the point where sometimes she's like, I'm just not moving. Like I'm just not getting up today. Wow, man. Yeah, and it's so I, I I want other people to understand that like there are some really not that I'm like a saint, but like there are some really good white people who like really truly honestly do want to help. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing like when I was specifically like in high school is people would be like, Well, you can't, like you don't know what you're doing, you don't know mm-hmm. what to do, like you don't you can't possibly understand. Well, I I think for one I, I thank you for for sharing this because I, I think <laughs> no I do I think I think it's brave of you to say this I think you're saying what I've heard many people say or that many people are feeling and you know I think it's important to you know to share that yeah yeah I have a lot of thoughts on it <laughs> <laughs> it was just it was something like if you had asked me God twenty years ago. <laughs> when I was 13 <laughs> 20 years sounds like a long time um, 
I would have, if you had asked me like to explain racism, I would not, I don't think I would have been able to do it. Hmm. Um, be, and, and that was something like when I went to college, I took a black history course mm-hmm. thinking there might be black people in here and there were some, <laughs> um, but it was taught by a white woman. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, and then I was thinking about this the other day. I think the only black professor I had was a math teacher um, who had a really strong accent, like some, I don't know what his accent was. Um, it made it really hard to understand the math. Um, but I think that was the only black professor I had. And the fact that like the black history course was taught by a white woman and she had the same kind of mentality where she was like, well, I grew up in a black town and I went to, you know, I live, I went to temple and I lived in a black neighborhood. So like, she felt like she could speak on the concept or mm-hmm. speak on the issue. Yeah. And I hated her. Really? Um, God, I hated her so much. Mm-hmm. Like I wanted to take her job. um and but I also like didn't fully understand because I remember there was a conversation there was a black girl in the class and she sat like a row or two in front of me and she said that she has to think about what she's going to name her children right yeah and she said um that you know I I can't name my kid whatever she wanted to name them you know because people are going to look at their resume or their job application and like immediately disregard it. And that threw me off. Yeah. Like I was pissed and I didn't really know why I was pissed, but I was pissed about the comment. And I was like, you should name your kid, whatever you want. <laughs> and she was like, she was like, but I can't. And I was like, that's bull. Like I like freaked yeah. out and you yeah. know, and I was like, that's bull. Like you should be naming your kid, whatever you want. And all this. And like, in reality, like, she's right. Mm-hmm. And I left the class. Like, I walked out of class because I was like, I can't be in this conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, that's something that, like, white people don't ever have to deal with. Mm-hmm. Unless you give your kid, I'm going to say, like, a trailer park name. You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know maybe. But, like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I had never thought of that before ever in my life. Yeah, I mean, that's something that, you know, Shamir and I discussed, like, you know, before we named Cameron. Yeah. Yeah, it's common. And that's so crazy that you, that some, like, that, that should be a thought that somebody has. Yeah. That you can't name your kid what you want to name your kid. Like, there are celebrities naming their kid Apple and Seven. <laughs> like, name, like, you should be able to name your kid whatever you want. You know, like if I look at an application and the kid's name was like Apple, <laughs> I think I might think differently about that, but I wouldn't be like, wow, this person, like I probably would honestly be like, wow, this is a stupid white person. You know? <laughs> but like that's, that is so bizarre. Like people, it's so, you should not have to worry about what you name your child. Mm-hmm. I mean, unless you really are going off the deep end, like naming your kid COVID. Or <laughs> which honestly would probably be a white person <laughs> but that just blew my mind mm. blew my mind completely yeah i have so many things i could say on this subject <laughs> i mean we've already it's been almost an hour and a half so we've been, <laughs> we've been on zoom and it's like yeah. i don't i could go on and on and on and on and on i'll break it into two episodes Oh, you, you, don't have, you don't have to. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, we could talk about the education, like when um, I was just reminded, I have a bunch of books here that I brought from school that I was like, oh, I want to reread some of these. Obviously, Napoleon. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't read Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret, and it was being discarded. So, but um, I have this one, Langston Hughes, um, mm-hmm. Not Without Laughter. And I, this is one of the conversations that I had with Justin, um, with my husband, who went to a private school his whole life. And he will not send his kid to private school, but anyway. Um, way, it's five years ago or something. Um, we were watching Jeopardy. And whatever the answer was, something, you know, a Harlem Renaissance poet or writer or whatever. And I was like, Langston Hughes. And he was like, who's that? Mm-hmm. And it like blew my mind that he did not know who Langston Hughes was. And like, we still talk about it today. Like whenever a name comes up or something, I still like make fun of him for that. And he had no education on black authors mm. or like anything like that. And well, I'm just like, I'm like, dude, do you know who Maya Angelou is? Like, he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah like, I know who that. I'm like, oh my God, how do you like, how do you just not have any background on any of that? Like, it's just, it's not taught. It's so yeah. crazy. Yeah, like, unfortunately, a lot of it's missing in the, uh, the regular curriculum. But I do need to preface this for our, our, our the, for the audience that one, <laughs> you are probably like the second best Jeopardy player I've ever. <laughs> so it's not really that fair that you, um, you know, yeah. Jeopardy because you're a really good Jeopardy player. The the key is you have to read the clue before Alex gets finished reading it so that you have like an extra like half second to think about it. <laughs> now, now everyone knows my secret. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like stuff like that just not being in the curriculum. And it's not just, um, obviously it is a lack of like black authors, but um, like not knowing who Amy Tan is, you mm-hmm. know, not studying any Asian writers or artists or mm-hmm. Or even with the whole Juneteenth that just went on, like a lot of people not knowing Juneteenth and things like that. And I went to a black school and <laughs> I didn't know that much about it, yeah. you know, or, yeah. or like the Tulsa riots. I yeah. actually, Justin um, told me about them maybe a year or two ago. Mm. He was like, you ever hear of this? And yeah. I was like, no. And there was like a documentary or something that we watched about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the only reason like I, now it's, you know, everyone's, going on about it and Trump wanted to have his rally there or whatever and everything but like we only knew about it because some he read about it somewhere and uh and I would say since knowing me he's become I don't want to put it all on me but since knowing me he's become much more engaged Mm -hmm. in um I don't know what to say like history and art and stuff by black people like Mm -hmm. he's you know him he's not he's kind of thinks definitely thinks along the lines of me I would not have married him if he didn't um but definitely reading more mm-hmm. about this stuff and I kind of make him like after the whole links and huge things I would be like you know pulling out books and reading poems to him and and whatever um but like he brought that up probably a year or two ago I'm like no like, I had no idea and we watched you know the burning of Tulsa and or whatever like the neighborhood and yeah and stuff like that and was like they would you know like why people would do that? <laughs> it's crazy. All right. Well, thank you for coming on. This was a good conversation that we had. Your story was interesting, but then also the conversation we had afterwards. Yeah. 
it's um I think this is like this is a good outlet for people I was really when you like I mean when you texted me about doing the podcast I was like yup yup like I've been waiting for this moment I you know because <laughs> I've been like the past couple of weeks you know like I listen to all your podcasts but I the past couple of weeks I've been like man I should text Chris like I would really love to do a podcast from you know like a white person's perspective during this time who really means well like right. not just someone who's like you know oh yeah suddenly black lives matter like no they've always mattered but yeah. you're just jumping on the bandwagon now like <laughs> you know um which is fine get on the bandwagon you know like i'd rather you be on it than not um but i didn't you know ha say like hey can i ask you to do this podcast <laughs> you know like i don't want to like take over your podcast but like uh, I, I really wanted to do something like this yeah well, I mean, I've, I've heard, though, kind of what you said about, like, the bandwagon. I've heard, like, college basketball coaches, for instance, talk about this, where they, kind of similar to what you said, where they want to show support for their, you know, their athletes and friends. But then they also fear that people look at them like, oh, he's just trying to get recruits or he's not being clear yeah. and things like that. And so, I, I, you know, like I said, that's why I appreciate you um, – you know, sharing these feelings, because like I said, I feel like there's a lot of people that are, you know, in that same boat that, you know, they mean well, they want to do well, but, you know, they're scared people are going to look at them like, oh, they're just jumping on the bandwagon or, you know, so I think there are yeah. a lot of people in that same. Area. Even like, um, you know, suddenly the NFL is more accepting of Colin Kaepernick. Mm -hmm. Like, where have you been for <laughs> years? You know, like Colin Kaepernick should be like, forget you guys, but then he'd miss out on a bunch of money. <laughs> but, you know, I like stuff like that is just I, I have two thoughts on that. One. Yes. Like, where have you been? Mm -hmm. You know, why couldn't you why couldn't you do this you know, years ago and be on his side and and be more um, equitable, mm -hmm. like fair? I don't even know. Be more humane. Um, but also there's a lot of stuff working against white people who mean well like there's you know all these people are saying like well you said this that one time or you did this that one time or you know like jimmy kimmel's being called out because he did some i don't know if it was blackface or whatever he said or did or mm -hmm. whatever and like you have to also try to be willing to accept people who are like okay i was wrong like right. i was completely wrong in the past and because if you were one of those white people who grew up in a white area where everyone else around you was saying and doing these things and you as a teenager, like, didn't know better, you know, no one was teaching you the right thing. Like, I don't know how much you can fault them. Like we work with teenagers and, you know, some of them really don't know what they're doing and saying. And right. if they, as an adult can then come out and say, yeah, like I was wrong. Like, I did not know. And now I know. Like, I had such an experience going into college where it was, like, earth shattering. You know, like, this is how white people think. But I'm sure, like, other white people who grew up in white areas go to college and they are around black people that they've never been around before. And then they're like, holy crap, like, I, I was really wrong. <laughs> you know, yeah. and a lot of people are catching flack for what they did. And not that they were right when they did it. But they're mm -hmm. definitely right now for saying, I am sorry. And, you know, had I known, I would not have done these things. 
obviously some people are saying it because they're a politician and they want votes or whatever, you know, right. or they're a celebrity and they don't want people to hate them and they want to get jobs. But like some people are legitimately saying it because they mean it. Well, and I, it's hard to tell the difference, but if they're going to support the cause, then I mean, I guess we got to be willing to work with them. Well, I think it's like the, uh, the Maya Angelou quote. I, I might mess it up. I can't remember exactly. How I know it. what you're going to say. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> yeah. when you when you know more, you you do better. Or yeah. oh, that's the exact quote. Or it's like when you know, yeah, something like that. When yeah. when you know better, you do better. Right. Or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And some people just don't know, and that's the worst part. Like you said, like being educators. Obviously, there's a whole second curriculum that is not part of your content area, which is like teaching life skills mm-hmm. and teaching people to be people. Mm-hmm. You know, like not being jerks and not being racist and, you know, Um, yeah. And if the schools aren't doing that, if the parents aren't doing it and the schools aren't doing it and whatever community programs or organizations that kids are involved in aren't doing it, like where are they supposed to get it? Mm -hmm. And then they become adults and they get into, there's so much, there's so much. It's so systemic. Like you said, like we, I could, I'd go on and on about this, like, but white neighborhoods, like de facto segregation. Mm-hmm. And they grow up in that area and their parents and their parents before them and everyone said these things and did these things. And it's not until you get into the workforce or you go to a college and then you're like, oh crap, like all of that was wrong. <laughs> right. Yeah. Or they're unwilling to see that it's wrong. Mm-hmm. It's, so, it's so much bigger than a lot of people know. Yeah, I agree. Anyway, I really could talk about this for hours. (laughs) (laughs) With an adult, not with children who are going to fight me over it because then it (laughs) drives me crazy. (laughs) And then I'm like, oh, how can I just tell you that you're so naive? (laughs) Well, maybe we'll come on again and have like a like a like a panel discussion or we could have like a group discussion as well. Yeah, that would almost be good to have um something about uh dealing with and i know you just sent any um as our diversity champion um <laughs> sent out something about like um social and emotional learning mm-hmm. i guess um but maybe even something about like adding you know talk around racism in the classroom mm-hmm. and you could have like i mean melissa would be great for this um and barb mm-hmm. also um and my sister she's gonna be our new psychologist um yep yeah so she's gonna be right across from you in the the morning (laughs) (laughs) i said i told her already i'm like you're gonna hang out with chris probably all the time (laughs) (laughs) so maybe i'll come down yeah because we have first period planning maybe i'll come down and hang out there yeah be a big group (laughs) um but you you will love her um but yeah like like to do something with Cause I'd love to know how it impacts uh, her as a school psychologist. Mm, yeah. Like do kids come and talk to her about racism issues in the school? Right. Yeah. Do, do they not because she's white? Do they, I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, like you look at our staff, we have a white nurse. Everyone in the wellness center is white. We have a white educational diagnostician. All of our guidance counselors are white and our psychologist is white. Mm-hmm. How many people are coming to them and talking about issues of racism? Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> like, I'm, you know, like I've had a couple people bring it up to me. I know Lee has had a couple people talk to her and I'm sure you hear about it with the minority student union, but like how many of them are going to, to the psychologist right? or going to counseling sessions at the wellness center about it? Like I would venture to say close to none. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That would be an interesting one too. Yeah. Usually they bring it up at the minority student union, but, um, yeah, I don't know how many of them go like the others to talk about it. I don't know. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's, I guess, another thing that would be interesting is like, like you said, like I talk to black friends about it. I talk to white friends about it, whatever. I actually don't have that many Hispanic friends anymore. Hmm. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, some of my best, like my best friend in middle school, was Hispanic and I said my first two boyfriends but um like I wish uh I guess I wish like black people would feel more comfortable talking to me or or other white people or whatever about it but um you know like that article that Marcus put out about you know like are your your black colleagues are probably not okay Mm -hmm. you know like I want to know you know, like what, obviously like as a colleague, but then like, if I were somebody's employer, like I would want to know, like, are you, what, what is happening? Mm -hmm. You know, like what is happening that's making it not okay. And, uh, for whatever reason, I'm sure that, you know, whether it's, they feel like there's going to be some sort of negative reaction or punishment or something from it. Like they're like, they don't speak up about it. I'm like that's messed up <laughs> yeah i mean i don't know i'm trying to think from a personal like i don't know if you've ever gone to mark and said like i don't know any kind of issues that you're having but like you should be able to mm-hmm. and you should feel comfortable doing it like i don't have any issues going going to um any of our assistant principals or principals and saying like, here are the problems that I'm having, mm-hmm. you know, whether they're, whether, you know, whether it's Kendra or whatever, like it doesn't matter. I'll just go to whoever is available and say like, Hey, this is, you know, a problem that I'm having. But like, I don't know if you have that same comfortability when it comes, I don't know if there's like white kids saying racist stuff in the hallway or mm-hmm. whatever. Like I have no problem addressing it when I hear anything like that. Like I'm on it. I'm emailing parents. Like, I'm writing kids up, you know, for anything like that. But, like, I don't know. I think, I mean, I, I, I guess if there was, like, an issue, like, I feel comfortable talking to, like, our administrators. But, I mean, I don't know. Like, why I wouldn't bring it up just in normal conversation with, you know, like, you or another colleague just normally. I, I don't know. Like, I guess you just don't want to. I mean, because I guess part of it is just like, you know, it's kind of awkward conversation. You know what I mean? Like, to. Yeah. Like, do you feel like it draws attention to you that you don't want? Yeah. 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 Just be uncomfortable, you know? That's what it's like being a woman. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I, <laughs> honestly, like, during this, I, I think I've, like, seen, like, a lot of parallels, I think, between, like, uh, I had, yeah. we had, like, a talk. So, you know, we're talking about, like, having a group discussion. I had a group discussion with uh, my one friend, Rich, who's black. And then like a couple of our white friends that we grew up with and we did a Zoom on um, one of the days last week, I think it was like Wednesday. And to be honest, I was like going into it, I was like dreading it. 
Like, I was mm-hmm. like, oh my God, I don't want to go on here. Don't want to okay. talk. <laughs> and it's funny, like the next day, Rich and I, we both talked and he said the same thing. He was like, man, like, you know, like I kind of dreaded. And he was like, I didn't know you were feeling the same way. Because he was actually two minutes late to starting it because he was like, oh, the you're host. just chilling in there. <laughs> well, no, well, we were waiting for the host to like start it. Oh. And, um, and he was saying, actually, the reason why he was late, because he was talking to his wife, and he was just like, oh, man, like, you know. But, um, but it ended up being, like, a really good conversation, and it was good. And, like, Rich's point that he made to the group was, he was like, I've had this conversation now about, like, race and everything with, uh, with like, some coworkers now and strangers. And he was like, and I haven't had it with, like, the people I – I mean, he didn't say love, but like basically like the people he loved, like he grew up with, like his yeah. friends growing up. And he should be the closest with them and should be able to have those conversations. Right. And that's basically what he was saying and why he thought it was important that we uh, that we all met and did it. And actually, like, you know, now I'm happy that we did. And we said that, you know, it couldn't be a one time thing that, you know, maybe in the future we'll, we'll do it again. Um, but I thought that was true. And I thought that was right. Kind of bringing back what you said, like, why? You know, like I consider you one of my, you know, closer friends at the school. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we talk about stuff. Wow, but... at the school. Well, wow. I mean, what a qualifier. Just... Well, no, but you were talking about like bringing it up to coworkers. Uh, that's why. Yeah. I said that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I guess when I think about it in that context, like you probably go into things like that feeling, one, like feeling a sense of vulnerability. Right. And two, feeling or trying to figure out like, how do I not look weak, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. And that is like what it's like being a woman. Yeah. There's a really good, I don't know if you've ever seen the show, Master of None. Um, it's on Netflix, I guess. It's Aziz Ansari. Oh uh, yeah, I've, I've heard of it. Uh-huh. Oh my God, it is, Justin is a sucker for romantic comedies. <laughs> and um, so there's only two seasons. Oh, I hope he does a third season at some point, but I don't think he will because it's been a little while. Um, but he does a lot of really like eye-opening episodes, like things about like um, LGBTQ. There's an episode like one of his good friends is, is a LG, is a lesbian, I guess, and he does another episode about like um, you know minorities in acting and mm-hmm. why you don't see more of that kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And then he does an episode about like what women experience all the time, and it is on point it is so on point yeah it's i mean it's a great series anyway it's Mm -hmm. so good especially like if you like like the romantic comedy stuff Mm -hmm. um but it's it's that one episode like there's one time when a guy approaches yeah there's a few people sitting at the table he's like four four people two women and two guys and this guy comes over and he's the like executive of a show or producer or something and he shakes hands with like the two guys who are sitting on the outside of the booth and then the two women are on the inside. And um, Aziz Ansari's girlfriend at the time is like, did you see that? And he's like, what? And he's like, or she says, you know, he shook hands with the two men at the table and not us. Mm. And he's like, well, like we were more accessible. Like we're on the outside. Like there's always an excuse, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know? And I feel like it's, it's, that's definitely something like that minorities experience. So like there's always an excuse. Well, Mm-hmm. you know it was this or it was that or whatever mm-hmm. um but that's a great episode for like what women experience all the time like you're walking by yourself and you're constantly on alert right yeah you know, like that kind of stuff and like it's it's like that like with the um you know with all the i won't even say like the recent killings of black people because it happens anyway but the recent bringing to light 
of <laughs> of the killing of black like um you know you're just running going for a run and yeah. somebody kills you like i cannot tell you how many times i thought of you yeah in that you know like and not only like how i would react to that but how like shamir cam yeah. and they're like like somebody and when you think about it, like i would burn something down <laughs> and in that moment you understand rioters right like, i would absolutely burn something down <laughs> i mean and it's not about it's not about the businesses and it's not about like you know tar- like you just you need somebody to hear how angry you are mm-hmm. yeah well, i would absolutely burn something down <laughs> something would be lit on fire <laughs> but that's a really good that's a really number one it's a good show it's great mm-hmm. Um, but it's really good for um, talking about like race issues and um, you know women's issues and stuff like that. Yeah, I got to uh, I got to watch it. Yeah, when you guys get bored, I don't yeah. know if you're into any of that like romantic stuff. <laughs> but it's I'm good. gonna I'm gonna um, do like a goodbye, like so we can stop. Yeah, right. sorry. <laughs> but, like I got to edit all this later. But, yeah, uh, sorry. <laughs> well, all right, so. All right. Um, Katie, I want to I want to thank you for for coming on the show today. Thank you. It was very interesting to hear your story of growing up and to see the you know the parallels I guess of me growing up in the in the reverse uh, situation. Yeah, it's great to have a platform to kind of talk about some of these things. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we'll talk again soon. We'll have you again on the show again. Great. Awesome. All right. Bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening to today's podcast episode. As I said to Katie during our discussion, I appreciate her honesty and openness to discuss her feelings and emotions about this topic. And I encourage everyone to continue these types of conversations with their friends and family members. And remember, everyone has a story.